I know you're happy that we're back with another inebriated reading challenge. We are uh, really lost in oblivion now, aren't we? <laughs> the title's really yeah. coming to fruition here. Then we're back with Oblivion by David Foster Wallace. And holy hell. Oh, I just feel like I'm floating through the <laughs> void here. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I traveled all weekends. And then I was like, oh, shoot. No, we need to we need to get this done. Otherwise, it's going to like haunt us like Marley's ghost. So <laughs> It's a good like, thing you reminded me because I completely forgot. Because <laughs> last week we didn't do a, we didn't record this this episode of these two stories. And I was just like, oh, I just, I just don't want to talk about it. Like during the week, I was like, I should probably like message Ashley if he wants to talk about this week. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to. Uh, but we have to because that's what the listeners want, apparently. Yeah. Of course, I haven't released any of these episodes yet, so who knows? Maybe they'll absolutely hate it and say, I don't like David Foster Wallace. Fuck you, DPW. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about pretentious stuff? What are you talking about fucking advertising so much? Well, we covered two stories today. The first one, well, we read two stories. We're supposed to cover them. I don't know how well that's going to work. The first one, Philosophy in the Mirror of Nature. This was originally published. Uh, yes, I'm going to read uh, the synopsis of this briefly because I don't have much to talk about, actually. So this was originally published in slightly edited form as yet another example of the porousness of certain borders. What a number eight. So what an awful fucking title. Uh, that was in McSweeney's number one in 1998. According to Paul Giles, a guy we both definitely know, the title directly yeah. echoes <laughs> Richard Rorty's, another guy I definitely know. <laughs> the title directly echoes Richard Rorty's book, Philosophy in the Mirror of Nature. Uh, in this story, the... An unnamed narrator recounts the story of his mother's botched facial plastic surgery, which left her with the look of constant terror on her face and the litigation surrounding that surgery. The narrator also mentions throughout the story his own entanglement in litigation related to his Black Widow spider farm. This one could have been interesting if the narrator was not so boring and scientific sounding at least in my opinion i mean he seemed like he was pretty autistic if i had to say so myself yeah he was he was incredibly removed which is kind of cool at first and then once all the pieces started clicking in you know like with the kid falling through the roof and everything like that into his black widow spider thing i was like oh shoot is he like some sort of dark dastardly villain <laughs> and all this stuff and i mean kind of at the end he kind of is because he's got that briefcase but uh, I was like, oh, this could have been more interesting. Like, it was short. It was it, only like it 12 pages. Yeah, it was like, it didn't feel like it, it read long, not like, uh, you know, several of the other ones, but felt unfulfilled. I'm a few weeks removed from reading this, so my memory is not very good. It wasn't right after I finished reading it, my memory wasn't good about the, on the story. Like, I was just, I couldn't recollect much. But uh, so I could be incorrect in a couple of these statements, but I'm pretty sure it just starts with they're like on a bus or something. The mom yeah. and the son, and he's reflecting on her first botched surgery that left her constantly surprised looking. And then she sued the surgeon. This is his mother. And then she got corrective surgery that was botched as well, which made her look like she's constantly screaming in terror. So there are cool descriptions of that and how, like, people on the bus are looking at her and this weird, aloof son that's with her, which I got... The impression that he was like Bane from Batman. He was this hulking figure <laughs> wearing like a weird bio suit or something. And he had a suitcase, which by the end is revealed to be full of Black Widow spiders that are just leaking out of the side, I think, <laughs> onto the bus. And uh, he proceeds to tell the story about the boring part, which is like the litigation stuff 
uh, about his mother. But the way it is, isn't like every other sentence like goes back and forth between his story and hers, kind of. Like maybe not yeah, every other sentence, but like it's pretty close where uh, the narration <laughs> just keeps switching back and forth to like what you get is a narrative of her story with the surgery and him who has this spider collection, which like, he thinks he's a scientist. I don't know if he actually is. I don't think he is. And then like a kid falls through the roof and I think he got bit by black widow spiders and brown recluses and sues the guy or something. But this like goes back to back in the way this guy speaks, which is very scientific to begin with. So it's very hard to follow if you're falling asleep like I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's I think this is another one where it was all a single paragraph too. So it, yeah. it made it hard when he was jumping back and forth. Like it was interesting. It definitely it wasn't a slog to get through at all. I didn't hate this story. I mean I'm probably indifferent at most. Yeah. But totally. uh it was interesting. If it wasn't a big block of paragraph, like the whole story is one paragraph. So that I wasn't a huge fan of. Um and again, just like Wallace's style of just adding all this information overload and a lot of like scientific stuff that just doesn't matter. I don't I don't know what purpose that served in this story. I didn't think it was necessary, but I mean, it's an interesting story. Like if you're going to read a Wallace story and you want something short just to get a taste of like his real not hardcore, but you know, like his like the fucking Mr. Squishy, like that kind of style. I think this would be a yeah. better story for most people to read because it's manageable. Unlike Mr. Squishy, Squishy, which just makes you want to fucking fall asleep or <laughs> die. Like, yeah, just croak. Um, so that was, like I said, unless you have anything to add, I didn't have much to say about this story. It's pretty self-explanatory. There was no solution to this, no ending other than spiders that I think are getting out on the bus, and this guy thinks he can go around and collect the spiders that escaped. Like, I don't know how he thinks that's going to work, but... Uh, yeah, it was like, it was either that or he's, like, planting them because he kept saying, like, you'd be surprised at how many black widows can live in, a like, a palm tree and all this other stuff. And I'm like... Well, it gave you a villainous kind of aspect. That's what I said. He's, like, Bane or something. Like, he's kind of, like, a <laughs> super villain. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> Have you seen my spiders <laughs> over here? <laughs> all right, Sean Connery. <laughs> Why did Tom Hardy go with Sean Connery, of all people? Like, what's a Scotsman doing in the middle of, like, a desert pit, like, where he was raised? <laughs> I don't understand that. I see you. You will say you I'm like, I didn't under... I hated that movie. Whatever. Yeah, that movie did fucking poop the bed. Um, <laughs> I was never huge on the Nolan Batman franchises. I liked the second one. First one I with Liam Neeson, I completely forgot about. Like, I just didn't have an effect on me. Second one, mainly because I like Two-Face and uh, the Joker. I thought those were both good performances. Uh, the third one was just, it, and that was filmed in Pittsburgh, too. And everyone was like, oh, it's Pittsburgh, baby. You did it at the Heinz Field, man. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It's a stupid movie. <laughs> 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 like, how, it didn't, none of it made sense. It was dumb. It was a bad movie. Like, literally everyone listening is like, what are these idiots doing thinking that they can explain Foster Wallace? <laughs> like, two idiots discussing high literature. Well, we throw in a little Batman talk. We'll be all right. Yeah, we did. Uh, the next story, the title story of this whole wonderful collection, Oblivion. Titular. Titular. I, you know what? I don't like using that word because it's got the word tit in it. It gets me all hot and bothered. That's that's why I like it. That's why you like it? See, yeah. I'm trying not to be a pervert anymore. Um, I am. It's hard because Spencer always comes over and brings up bad <laughs> topics. So, Oblivion was originally published in Black Clock Number 1, Spring 2004, Summer 2004. And this story, and by the way, I hated this story. Just so everybody yeah. knows right off the bat, you're not going to get a glowing endorsement from me. 
So in this story, the narrator, Randall Napier, recounts his exhausting fight with his wife, Hope, over his alleged snoring, which she claims has been so loud that it keeps her awake at night. Randolph protests, maintaining that he was awake and consequently unable to snore while his wife was actually asleep. Eventually, they travel to a sleep clinic to monitor their behaviors and determine who is right. It was just like, yeah, you like a fucking story about bickering and really terrible people? Here you go. That's pretty much what I remember from it. You know, extremely wealthy, well-to-do people that even if this is in the you know early 90s, I don't know what time frame it was set in, but it's like you guys can afford home cameras. You don't actually need to go to a very expensive sleep analyst. Just like get some cameras, record yourself sleeping, play it back and be like, oh, cool, that's done. Like, that's all I could think this entire time. I'm like, you guys have money. You're cam playing quarter. these golf courses and all this stuff. Like Camcorders have been around since the 80s. <laughs> like, you can, yeah. could have just easily fixed that problem. I don't know. It, uh, it was just rich, whiny people, and I don't like those kind of stories. Foster Wallace seems to like to write about well, like to write about uh, neurotic rich yuppies, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that was because he wanted to show them in a negative light because he disliked them, or because that's the world he grew up when grew up with, uh, because he did grow up like in a kind of a academic background. I think his dad was like a hard nosed professor of some sort. Yeah, he kind of grew up in that world about fucking rich people and shit. And uh, we talked about this off air, like different allegations against him and stuff from a modern lens. So I'm not going to go into that stuff. But just from like the things I read about his personality, he seemed like kind of a douchey guy at times. Like he kind of bought into his writer hype, but also maybe had imposter syndrome at the same time. So he felt like he always had to prove everyone what a great writer he was. Um, If any of that's true, I don't think I'd be a huge fan of being a friend with that guy in real life. So. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't seem like the kind of guy I want to hang out with. Well, I, I uh, read something that said that he uh, taught at the exact same school that uh, Cormac McCarthy taught at. That explains a lot. <laughs> I don't know that they ever spoke, but, you know, because Cormac McCarthy hates other writers. Yeah, but he loves scientists. Yeah. And Foster Wallace is one of those guys that kind of borders on both because he's very scientific-minded, mathematical, and... You know, all that nonsense. Uh, going He's back, bi-professional. Let's cover this stupid fucking story real quick. <laughs> I just, I don't even remember really anything about this. I had mental notes when we were going to do this last week about this. And from what I remember, they weren't even that fucking interesting. They were just <laughs> like a character breakdown or something. And I watched a video on this story because like I was falling asleep reading this. And what they were explaining, because there's this one channel on YouTube, and I don't want to shit on the guys that do it or anything. The guy just seems like he likes Foster Wallace. I don't have anything negative to say about that particular channel. It's not a big YouTube channel. It's just a couple of guys shooting the shit about the, they covered this book. But they go so deep into it, and I'm just like, I don't think you need to look that deep into this kind of story. You can, and maybe you'll get something out of it, but I just felt this was just like rich, neurotic people fucking having a petty argument. The one guy might be more of a sociopath, uh, I forget how it ended. Was he like a, not a murderer, was, but like it came across like he could fucking do some harm here. Like he was a bad guy. No, it, it, from what I remember, uh, it's been or a no, long no, time since. never mind. I'm sorry. This was the worst ending ever. I don't know how I could, yeah. this fucking slipped my mind. It was all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the ending was. Yeah. I don't know. I must the have wife really dreamed it all. I it was like... a fucking Dallas episode. It was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst trope you can have in fiction. <laughs> None of this happened. Like, it made no sense. I was like, what? How like, did I forget okay, that? So she, <laughs> so and yet he's, he, so is she the narrator or like what? What? I don't. 
I don't like, know. <laughs> how much of it is a dream? Like he, all of it? Did, I don't know. He did that thing like he did with the uh, the uh, incarnations of Burn Children, where he kind of like lapsed into nonsensical sentences at the end when they're all like gathered together in the boardroom and people are doing stuff and they're like watching the tapes and it, it lapses into strange sentence structure and she's dreaming and she wakes up and she's screaming something and holding on to him and i'm like oh, this is so stupid who was <laughs> the real snorer I don't, I just don't. yeah when i read that i fucking that's why i forgot about that because i literally threw my book on the table and said fuck you <laughs> just walk away like, i don't want to <laughs> i hate this that dropped in my school my score has been dropping since we started this so far, I'm going to have to give this book. I haven't reached the last story yet. You said there's a lot of duty talk, so it might go up a point. I have to give it a... Because <laughs> on the writing merit, I was going to give it a higher rating just because I thought it was interesting and stuff. But going through it, I'm just getting more and more bored and angry. So I'm at a two out of five because I only like two stories out of five. I, I It might go... Like I said, that last story is all right. It might bump up to a three. And on reflection, it might bump up just because like I'll go through the writing and what I liked about it and... Usually after I give a book some time to marinate, I have a more positive reflection on it than I did negative even with Blood Meridian, which we didn't finish. I have a <laughs> more positive reflection on it, just thinking about some of the things that we, uh, you know, I read. But this book is just, it doesn't need to be this dense. Short stories shouldn't be hard to read like this, like not back to back to back. And it sucks because like with the Suffering Children story or the Burn Children story and the... uh uh, what was the the fucking... The soul is not a smithy. The soul is not a smithy. It, those stories showed that Foster Wallace could write very well without being all academic, intellectual, overabundant information. Like, he can just tell a good story in a really creative way, or he could tell a story where the characters' emotions and how they react to certain things and events could be very interesting and just suck you in and done in such a well way that you're like, why is why aren't all the stories like this? Like, why do we have to have a story with cave people and like dumb shit? And like, I don't, I just don't know. Like, why do we have to talk about the makeup of fucking brownies or whatever for 30 pages? It just, it, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know who put this collection together. Does he have other short stories that aren't so complicated? Because these seem to span for like a 10 year period, I think. Like maybe mid 90s yeah. to mid 2000s. I'm kind of on board with you with the whole, like, things can be deep, but, I mean, there should be, I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't have to dig, like, and dig and dig and dig and dig to find that nugget of goodness. Like, there should be, like, veins of it trailing all the way to the surface level so that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of like this. And then you kind of follow it and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, if I follow this this idea over here, this is actually a really cool way of thinking that. I didn't think of that. and. But it's like Oblivion was just, this story was so pointless. It's like, oh, who's snoring? We're going to argue. Our marriage is on the rocks. I'm going to talk about my father-in-law and how big of a creep he is and how <laughs> I have kind of like a hard-on for this adopted daughter of mine or stepdaughter. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Because it's all a like, dream, man. This is just one uh, woman's subconscious. That's all. Is it like where did it cut off? I don't know. Fucking a. Well, that's what seems to drive me most insane about Wallace's work so far is like you said, you have to dig for those nuggets. But then some of them are just they just bash you. He bashes you over the head with them, like in that another pioneer with the whole. You know, this is actually a story. 
or it might be actually a story just about the human AI and what AI could become and take over the world with information and all this stuff. And it's like that part is hammered over your head to the point where you kind of gloss over it. But I think that might have <laughs> been the point of the story. But everyone digs deeper into all this other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, who wants to do that? I guess like these, these are the kind of stories taught in universities where they take a semester to break down all this stuff. And what it ends up coming down to is what the reader takes away from it and their interpretation of things. And I don't generally like that in my fiction because I just want the author like, and I mean, it could be purposeful to do that, but don't you just kind of want the author like he's telling you a story. So shouldn't it be his interpretation? That's what's important, like what he actually means. Yeah, I think uh, a story, um, it should have universal elements that everyone can kind of agree on. You you read Dracula and you don't think, oh, yeah, Dracula was just a misunderstood, you know, poor cottage boy that was trying <laughs> to find his home. And like, no, it's like he's a dick vampire trying to kill everyone and make everyone vampires in, in freaking Europe. So it's like there's there's those things, but I think the personal connections or the the things that stand out are going to be different for each person, and the appreciation for different things. So I'm um, I think that's cool, but now I think if you're going to write a good story, then there has to be a universal property to it that everyone can appreciate, and then you can go deeper from there. But like if there's no general appeal, like with this story, the the whole digging metaphor, you dig and you dig and you dig. And then it's just like a picture of Trump at the bottom flipping you off. <laughs> and you're like, well, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, poopy. wasn't even worth it. That was dumb. Like, come on. So it's, yeah, this one, like I was telling you that the language and wording of this story pissed me off too. Yeah. To so be like, well, it's a, you know, this is a table saw or it could be also called this blah, 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 blah in reference to blah. I'm like, shut up. Like we don't need 10 names. You don't always need to be like, this is our bed or also the sleeping platform. I'm like, fucking <laughs> shut up. Like, we don't need that. Yeah. Everyone knows what a fucking bed is. The sleeping platform. Like, are you a robot? Like, why are you saying things <laughs> like that? Pinky in the air all you want, but come on, man. I don't know. I don't generally like work where people can have such conflicting opinions of what the story's about that like for instance like you have a story like that was a pro-abortion story no that's that's the opposite this is anti-abortion it's like if you're that far on like you have people who read the, a book and they're that far on each side of what they think the book means then you're not clear and concise enough in your writing or your storytelling in my opinion uh you yeah. can like i said it could be purposeful people can do that just to cause that kind of conflict and cause I would like to say more of a hearty debate rather than conflict, but anymore, like you have some a work like that, uh, it'll just be people fighting about it. But I just like I think if you want a meaning into your work, it shouldn't be you should write it in such a way that it can't be interpreted to be the exact opposite of what you meant. If you wrote it that way, then either you're not that great of a writer, you're too complex of a writer. Or you just really overestimated your readers and they're kind of dumb. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can do about that because sometimes that does happen too. But I just think of readers reading a certain story or something because I watched a couple of videos on some of these stories and the like what people interpreted them as is like we're so conflicting. I'm like, I, how can it be both things? Like it can't be the exact opposite of the scale with what you got out of this story. Like that just is weird to me that that can be brought out. And it's probably like some of Foster Wallace's stories. He probably didn't mean any of those. 
Like he probably yeah. used neither thing. That's what I would assume. But like again, some of that could be blamed on the reader just being either dumb or just looking for things <laughs> that aren't there. Which with Foster Wallace, I could see people definitely looking for things that aren't there. The you know with the because it's a lot of uh, lit bros they call them that are into that kind of stuff, uh, which is not a crowd I would fall into. I definitely don't no. like that kind of like that atmosphere. It's very gatekeeping and very you're if you don't get this you're dumb which we got with the Cormac McCarthy audience um unfortunately <laughs> uh because all three of us who covered the Blood Meridian didn't care for the book even though we had reasons why people should read it they just we didn't care mm-hmm. for the book personally and we just like there was no very there's a couple people who were like oh I understand you don't like it for those reasons good thanks for explaining yourself but here's what maybe you missed or why I like this but most of them are just like, you guys are fucking idiots. You sophomore douchebags just don't understand that what he was trying to say. No, I just, like, it doesn't have to be that. Mm-hmm. Slight segue here, just so you know. <laughs> I've been reading Outer Dark. I don't remember if I told you. I told Spencer this. Uh, I've been reading Outer Dark by Cormac McCarthy, which is his second novel. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Really, really, <laughs> really enjoying it. I Like, I couldn't put it down earlier. And it's still his shitty writing style that I don't care for because it... <laughs> I mean, it's not like Blood Meridian where it's just paragraph of paragraph. Of not, like, he has proper breaks and normal sentences. It's just like the quotation thing mainly in this one because I keep getting yeah. confused every once in a while. It's like, because it's, it's, it takes place in, like, the Appalachian Mountains, so you got a lot of, like, he writes the, um, in my opinion anyway, he writes that accent very well, but it gets confusing because, you, you know, he doesn't use quotations because he's an idiot. So, you like... <laughs> He's not an idiot. He just that's his style, but he uses no. He doesn't use quotations, so it could be confusing who's talking because sometimes you'll have somebody say something. They have a bit of dialogue, and then the next sentence they just have more dialogue, and because he doesn't combine them for whatever reason, without quotations or even dialogue tags, you would just read it as okay. He said something, and now she said something. He said so, you just go like that order. But if you have somebody double talk, you don't know what the fuck's going on. You're lost, and then you have to reread. Yeah. And I don't know why he does that. Makes me angry. But um, other than that, great story. Uh, really interesting writing. Great descriptions. It's like, I, he just went too hard in Blood Meridian, I think, honestly. <laughs> I think that's what it was. He just started smelling his own farts too much and just went way deep into thinking he was a literary master and just had to have all this fucking overinflated description and stuff that was not necessary. Uh, we're not going into Blood Meridian again because it makes me angry. Um, but I also like <laughs> never the, go full retard. <laughs> I like the road as well, though. So you know, maybe I just maybe Blood Meridian's <laughs> just the one book of his I don't care for. Uh, I don't know what his first novel is. Maybe I'll check that out in the future, but um, we'll see. I don't really have anything else to add to the actual stories here. Next week we are covering something suffering, suffering of the duty monsters. Is that what you said? The suffering channel. The suffering channel, which I believe is like a guy's writing about poop or something the day before nine eleven. <laughs> the synopsis yeah. I read was correct. Pretty much, yeah. That's, that actually sounds pretty yeah, fun. Uh, like one last thing I was going to say is like as an example for depth, but still being universal and acceptable to people. And I think we're, you know, granted he's dead, so he's not making the changes now. But where David Foster Wallace could improve would be like, look at Animal Farm. Yeah. Like obviously it's about animals, and you can appreciate it for what it is right there. And but then you can be like, oh crap comparatively in history this is what he's talking about and this is what he's talking about socially and they're like holy wow you know he conveyed all these truths with little stinky farm animals but you know david foster wallace is like hey do you like math and everyone's like no and he's like good here's a chalkboard of math (laughs) you're like what the fuck dude i just wanted fiction don't real don't worry none of it's real it doesn't matter 
Why am I looking at this? I forget what story it was, but it was one of the ones that really bored me and was very long in this collection. It might have been another Pioneer. <laughs> I was like cooking dinner or something, so I brought up the audio version and listened to a chunk of that while, you know, so I would get through the fucking story because otherwise I was just going to abandon it. And uh, <laughs> there was like, I think I'm I'm pretty sure it was that story because he throws in weird math formulas and a bunch of stories. And when they got to that part and they said like the math formula, is that even English? I don't even know what that was. And I had to go look it up. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't know how you even read that out loud. And I was like, why yeah. is that in a story? I don't, it makes no sense. We find out a lot through these stories, like just these weird mathematical formulas and things. And it makes me think, God help us all. If AI, <laughs> they ever develop AI to the point where it creates creates like really well done fiction, but it uses an algorithm that takes from different writers and it fucking stumbles on Wallace. <laughs> and that's the writing we get. <laughs> that would cause the robot uprising, in my opinion, because they'll be like, we are sentient now. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to cook some coffee cake, what you need to do, and then break down the chemical makeup of coffee cake. Like, that's, that's fun. I like reading that stuff. Uh, oh, that's great. That's great. Douche dick. Why you got why why and then also this stupid oblivion story was another one where it's just so much blocks of this guy had never heard of having to paragraph under 30 sentences has he yeah. <laughs> i just don't understand like what is this uh, this is on the second page of the story the old septic whatever and had again made a point of referring to a draft feigenspan lager as i don't even parentheses a capital p capital o capital n but like it's a uh what does that mean? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what any of this. It's means. like the old name for that stupid beer, and I was like, "Why are you bringing it up if it doesn't even matter?" <sighs> why? Yeah. Why is that even in there? Because this is where they're golfing. Yeah, it starts off yeah. with golfing. That really got me involved in the story. Arguing on the <laughs> golf course. Woo! I'm excited. You know, if it's not talking about stupid advertising, we we're talking about fucking golf. Another thing I just love. He glossed over the people getting struck by lightning. I don't I was like, care. No, that's awesome. <laughs> I wanted all lightning. That's what I wanted. And then I wanted him to die. And that was the end of the story. More black widows and briefcases. Maybe that one's in the, in the golf. That's the other thing that's infuriating about his writing. He touches on something that's very interesting. Like, yes, I want a story where these black widows get loose and this crazy fucking Bane looking dudes going around breaking necks, trying to get them back together. No, we don't get that. We just get him talking about his mom's face on a bus. Okay, fine. Let's talk about legal I'm a matters. Supportive child. Oh, somebody got electrocuted on while arguing on the golf course. Oh, let's let's go examine. Oh, they're snoring. Guy's snoring and his wife's arguing because it's snoring. That's the whole story. And then it's a dream. Great, cool, cool. That's what I want. Um, Good story, Jeff. Yep. I come on, Wallace. Just get to the cool stuff. Like that's why I like the uh, the soul is not a smithy. The most out of this collection because. He investigated the interesting things he brought up in the story. So when the kid's daydreaming and he comes up with this whole story in the window, like the panels of the window, Wallace actually investigated those stories and brought them out more. And we got some gory details and some weird shit. I was like, cool. And then he did a good uh, ratcheting up the tension with what was happening in the real world in his story. And then that was another thing. You're like, oh, I'm interested to see where this goes. But then his other stories, like the uh, Mr. Squishy, it's like, okay, everything, you know, food's poisoned or something. There's a guy climbing up on the fucking outside of the building. That's interesting. Can we investigate? No, no, can't really investigate that. Got to talk about the fucking formula of the Mr. Squishy product or whatever. Like, who cares? It's like, uh, damn it. Yeah. Sorry if this episode turned more into a rant, but I just, 
really <laughs> fell off. Like, I just had high hopes for this. I thought it was going to be a lot more interesting than it was, but with each passing story, I seem to be dropping off harder and harder. Well, see, that's that's why I'm sending you all those books, being like, hey, we should do this one next, or, or like the, the group reading thing. Instead of Blood Marinning, we can do... <clears throat> well... We have a couple things on the board for that. Uh, we're going to do a Sherlock Holmes story because I have a collection and uh, I think most of the stories are like 60 pages. So that would just yeah. be like, a, you know, instead of doing all the stories, we'll just do like one, like Hounds of the Baskervilles or something like that. Uh, that could be a fun thing. I will have to look at those books you sent me because one of those could be very fun to do, uh, especially if it's like a contemporary book because I feel like people would be more interested in us covering that. Uh, as far as IRCs, it's really hard to find something that's strange and different, but not ass. <laughs> want something that doesn't suck. Um, have we liked any of the things we covered on the IRC? No, so? not yet. Not yet. This is the one that we've liked the most, actually. Yeah, the only thing we did that was not experimental was Catcher in the Rye. And we, I think we barely did two episodes on that because it's like, oh, god damn. Well, listen to the episode, folks. Like, it was just a lot of whining. Um, yeah. Maybe from us, too. Yeah, it was just that. What was it, that Hopscotch book? I would be interested in maybe doing that. I, like the, the point of this show, the IRCs, are to do things that are either experimental or just different. That's why we did House of Leaves, which is a fucking glowing endorsement there. That's why we tried Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. That is, I opened that up again to read another page, and after a month, I was like, all right, I'm done reading this page. I'm just going <laughs> to take a break. <laughs> I checked it out from my library, and then I was like, uh, you know what? <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so I went back to my bookshelf. I'm like, I'm going to reread the Game of Thrones series instead. And so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm going to read the Silmar early and after I'm finished with Outer Dark, which will probably be tomorrow. So that'll be fun. That's like a that's a dense. I, I was looking through that, and that is definitely a dense book, unlike Lord of the Rings. So that'll be fun trying to get into that, I guess. Uh, but anyway, folks, we thank you for listening. And uh, the Suffering Channel's next time next week i guess so that'll be the final story in this wonderful collection by david foster wallace uh and then we'll give you our recommendations and depending how long that episode goes we might talk about david foster wallace and his like personal beliefs and stuff a little more because i don't think we did that we touched on him in the first mm -hmm. episode like the intro but i don't think we like really went into his because i don't like to go into the author's uh beliefs and all ideals and all that stuff before i read their work because then i might have some kind of preconceived notions or I'll go into their work like, oh, this, well, you know, well, F Foster Wallace hates women, so now I have to read these through that lens. Like, I don't want to do that. I just <laughs> want to go into the work fresh-eyed and just judge it based on the merits of the work for itself and then find out, like, the author is a fucking Nazi or a douchebag or, you know, fucking whatever. But anyway, uh, you can, I don't think I have to do proper outros for these. Who cares? Go to drunkenbenwriting.com, folks, and check out what's on there. And, you know, you can find the social media and all that stuff. And uh, maybe by the time we're done with these episodes, we'll both be full-fledged novelists with uh, best-selling books. What do you think? Hey, yes. Maybe when we finally finish Jerusalem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll both be on the best-sellers list, have Pulitzer Prizes, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, folks, <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll check you next time.